Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Romans. For the last couple of episodes, we've been in Romans chapter 12. And in those two episodes, we saw Paul calling us to be living sacrifices. Then in our last episode, we looked at what it means to discern and do God's will. And we said in that last episode that the languages of the eternal kingdom of God were service and love. That last episode focused primarily on the service that we do for God. In this episode, as Paul closes out chapter 12, we'll explore the idea of sacrificial love. So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, and follow along while I read. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This episode is set to release on Easter weekend. And it's appropriate that we would be at this part of Paul's letter to the Romans as we approach Easter. Paul has been discussing in this letter the culmination of God's work in history as it reached its climax with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And as we started chapter 12, Paul encouraged those who believed the story to give themselves as living sacrifices. And as the chapters unfolded, he has described what sacrificial service toward God looks like, and in the section we just read, what sacrificial love looks like. Jesus himself said that the greatest commandment that we have is to love God, but the second is just like it, to love others as we love ourselves. John chapter 3 verse 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And while God the Father was willing to give His Son as an expression of love to humankind, we read in John chapter 10, verse 18, where Jesus says, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus was willing to make that sacrifice because He understood what God was trying to accomplish, and He was willing to be obedient to God, even to the point of death. 
Jesus tells us that greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The Easter story is a dramatic one of a dead man rising back to life. And that resurrection gives us hope of experiencing a resurrection ourselves. And that resurrection comes to those who have allowed God to develop in them a sacrificial love. So what insights does Paul give us to help us see what sacrificial love looks like and how to let God provide that transformation in us? The first thing he lets us know is that sacrificial love is genuine. Some translations say that it's done without hypocrisy. The Greek word there means to be undisguised or sincere. Unfortunately, we're often very guilty of disguising our actions, making them appear as loving when they actually are not. It's not a genuine, sincere love. It's a show that we're putting on to get someone's attention or get someone's approval. Paul lets us know that our love is not sincere or genuine if we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. As soon as we elevate ourselves, we diminish those around us, and it's impossible to give the kind of love that Jesus gave to mankind. Philippians chapter 2 makes a point of saying that Jesus humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant and being obedient. While he had every right to elevate himself above all humanity, he refused to do it. Instead, he served and loved us, even though it cost him his life. We also show a lack of sincerity when we say things like, I love them, but I don't like them. We often confuse people's behavior with them. And our call is to love people, regardless of their behavior. We can dislike people's behavior. We can see that the behavior that people have towards others or toward God is totally inappropriate. We can see that people sin and that it creates destruction in relationships and in our own personal well-being and runs the risk of separating us from God for all eternity. And we can have conversations with people about that when we care about them. We can do it with gentleness and respect. That's no guarantee that they'll respond the way we want them to. But our call is to care about them. And it's hard to have that kind of sacrificial love if we're openly telling people we don't like them. Our ability to extend genuine love to others is dependent on the condition of our hearts. There's a verse in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Paul is writing to people and challenging them to pay attention to the condition of their heart. Make sure that they love other people, not just themselves, or that they don't love themselves more than others. Jeremiah said that our hearts are deceitful. Deceitfulness of heart actually means that people have developed wrong habits and they're masquerading as the right ones. That's the way the world gives and receives love, and it's accepted in our society. But we're told not to be conformed to the world, but conform to the likeness of Christ, who modeled sacrificial love. That's why Paul says, let your love be genuine. Let it be undisguised. Let it be without hypocrisy. Don't do things that pass as love. Actually love other people. 
One of the problems that we have being able to do this as Christians is we are caught up in what the world describes as love. And very often people tell us if we love them, we will indulge them. We will accept whatever they say or do without any type of criticism or pushback at all. But love is not overlooking things that I don't like or things that are wrong. And sometimes love is tough. But love does require that I learn to separate the person from their actions so that no matter what they do to me or to others, I don't feel like I need to get them back or I can't treat them as less significant because I didn't like their behavior. I have no permission to retaliate in any way. God says that's his job. If there is any vengeance to be paid, he will pay it. God tells us to love everyone. He'll sort those things out. And when I love them, I want what's in their best interest. That doesn't mean that I'm just content hoping they go to heaven. It is bigger than not wishing bad things on them. It is a willingness to be engaged in the lives of the people that God gives us and are willing and open to our help and love. Genuine love, sacrificial love, involves compassion. Verses 12 and 13 that we read earlier said, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Those verses tell us that we have to be excited about the fact that no matter how badly someone has behaved, they have hope. We should rejoice in that, and we should be a part of sharing that hope with them. If they're retaliating and hurting us, if there's any kind of tribulation that comes with that, we should be patient in that and through it all be prayerful. And in doing that, we'll see that we have a role to play. We can be helpful in those circumstances. We can contribute to the needs of other Christians and we can show hospitality. That word that's translated hospitality is literally kindness to strangers. Very often, it's easy to be kind to people we know, especially if we know that there aren't going to be any negative repercussions from it, if they're people that we like. It's a little more difficult to be kind to people we know but don't like that much. But it's often almost impossible for us, it seems, to be kind to total strangers. We're very fearful of our own health and well-being. We're fearful that they may take advantage of us or we may give away too many of our resources and not have enough for ourselves. But Paul lets us know that sacrificial love is caring enough about people and what's going on in their lives that we're willing to help them, whether they're a part of our church family or they're strangers to us. Sacrificial love also requires attentiveness. Verses 10 and 11, Paul said, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. We've got to be paying attention to the needs of our brothers. We've got to be looking out for them, being aware, and then work hard to outdo each other in taking care of those folks and showing the proper honor to them. Showing love to others is a way of showing love to God. And Paul says we should be on fire to serve the Lord in that way. This is the kind of love that Jesus showed us throughout his life and his ministry, up to the point of his death, and in all the ways he's blessed us since his resurrection. That gets us to the last few verses. 
it's always interesting to me that some people read these verses as almost God's way of getting people back. This is the way he tells us that we can get revenge on them by doing good things. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I've heard people say that, you know, that's how you get them. You just keep being nice to them. That'll show them. But this comes right after Paul has said that vengeance belongs to God. He is not describing how to get back at people who mistreat us. What he's telling us is how to melt the hardness of hatred. The hot coals poured on someone's head are not a harmful thing intended to put someone in their place. It's an act of kindness. But because we don't live in the first century, the analogy here may be lost on us. Paul is actually quoting Proverbs 25, verses 21 through 22. And he's talking to a group of people who didn't have natural gas flowing into their homes or electric heat of any kind to start up a stove. If you had heat in your house, it came from a fire. If you cooked in your home, it had to be done over a fire. And if your fire went out, you may have to go to a neighbor and borrow some embers to restart a fire. These pans may have been carried on one's head. And so what Paul's saying is, if someone's fire or passion for humanity has gone out, if they're mistreating other people, you can be helpful to them by rekindling their fire and being kind to them. Giving a person coals in a pan to carry home on his head was a neighborly kind act. It made friends, not enemies. That's why we're called to be good in the face of evil, because in doing so, we may win some over. Here, Paul has listed several behaviors that Christians should incorporate into their lives, that should be hallmarks of their connection to God. And he closes it by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is not given a list of rules here with arbitrary consequences if we can't make ourselves do them. Paul's not saying that you have to see if you can do these things or God's not going to save you if you can't. What he's telling us is that these are practices that given time will change our hearts and minds make us kingdom people, and prepare us for life in the new age. That time that comes after we experience the same kind of resurrection that Jesus did almost 2,000 years ago. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.